You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Hear this carefully. You don't go to the gym to find a muscle. You go to the gym to develop the muscle you already have. The fact that you're sitting here today tells me this. The greatest power in the universe is living inside of you. Jesus is always knocking at the door. We don't have to ask him to show up. Sometimes we say prayers, and it's almost like, oh, Jesus, could you please, ba, 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 ba. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? I'm already living in you. I'm already there. I'm already knocking at the door of your heart of every area of your life. The more you give dominion to the Holy Spirit, the more I'll have dominion over that particular area in your life. Because it's real simple. The flesh and the spirit are constantly at war in our lives. And the more we're in the spirit realm, the better we're going to do. Can you say amen? Amen. No, come on. Say it like you mean it. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. I'm honored to be here today. Um, Doug did ask me to please keep in mind the 10th beatitude before I preach. And it goes something like this. Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back. It's an honor to be here today. I now live in Tampa, Florida. The deep south is where I grew up, Brooklyn, New York. (laughs) I did grow up in South Brooklyn. I always tell people, if you ever go to Brooklyn, bring a camera. You'll see things in Brooklyn, I promise, you'll never see again in your life. First thing, your camera. (laughs) Some of you just caught on. Growing up in Brooklyn, I grew up with two wonderful parents. They weren't perfect. Dad's Italian. Mom's Swedish. You're looking at the original Swedish meatball, just so you know it. (laughs) But being Italian and from Brooklyn, I have no family in the mafia, though I did grow up in Bensonhurst at first, where the Gambino family was running the neighborhood. Then I grew up in Sheepshead Bay. But I have no family in the mafia. Just so you know, during the pandemic, Italians have to practice 12-foot social distancing (laughs) because we spit when we talk. Mask or no mask, we're still spinning when we talk. That's why Italians talk with their hands to catch all the spit before it lands on everybody in front of us. And yes, I fulfill the major criteria. You are only a real Italian from Brooklyn if you fulfill this major criteria. I do. I really do have a cousin, Vinny, just so you know it. Dad's Italian, Mom's Swedish. You're looking at the original Swedish meatball, just so you know it, as I said. But seriously... I am so honored to be here. I love coming back to, as you guys would say, Long Island. Love coming back to Long Island. It's a special place. The five years I lived here, getting to have guys like Doug and some of the people even here in this church, the Riley family, and I don't want to leave anybody out, but trust me, it was such a major, wonderful time. And here's the reality. That even the great things that I've gotten to do, even though Doug's talking about how much I ministered to him and helped him, well, guess what? He was part of things in my life without even realizing it. That's why we need one another, and I'll cover that a little more later on when we talk about unity in the true body of Christ. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn. It's a miracle I'm alive. Why? I was a Boston Red Sox fan living in Brooklyn, New York. I fought every day with my Yankee friends. But growing up in Brooklyn, I was a Red Sox fan because my uncle played for the Red Sox for 15 years. His name was Rico Petroselli. He played during the 60s and the 70s. I wanted to be like him. I went to the same high school he did, Sheepshead Bay High School. When I finally graduated high school, the year 19... I went all the way out to Tulsa, Oklahoma 
to Oral Roberts University, a Christian university, because I never forget in 1968 when Billy Graham was dedicating the university, my mother looked at me and said, wouldn't that be really cool if you ended up going to Oral Roberts? Well, I did. I went to Oral Roberts. I played baseball there. I'm here today talking to you because I couldn't hit the curveball, just so you know it. But I did get an education. I was a smart college student at Oral Roberts. I crammed, no joke, a four-year college education into six years. <laughs> I kept on switching my majors. Imagine a guy from Brooklyn teaching French. My first major, French. Hey, yo, polyvoo Francais. I still want to know how you say forget about it in French. My second major, underwater basket weaving. No future in it. I tell people, I literally, this is really no joke. I graduated college in the top 10% of the bottom 10% of my class. My friends graduated college with honors. Magna cum laude, summa cum laude. I graduated. Thank you, Lord. I was happy to get out. Started my senior year of college. A buddy of mine introduces me to a beautiful woman from Texas. Her name is Ava. He said, if you and Ava get together, you'll have a great relationship. How am I getting along with a girl from Texas? We talk different. I say, use guys. Ava says, y'all. We ever have children, they're going to say, yes all. Within a year after I graduate college, I get engaged. This is the truth. I didn't have no Google Chrome. I had to pull out that 20-pound dictionary, slam it on the table, and look up the word engaged. I want to know what I'm getting into. The actual definition of engaged in the dictionary reads, to do battle with the enemy. What? So I go a step further. I look up the word mother-in-law. Yeah, big star next to it says, see the word engaged. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Avery and I are engaged a year later. We're married. We're married two years, three months. I moved to my first house. Four bedrooms, three bathrooms, two-car garage, dishwasher, microwave oven, fireplace. The only fireplace we had in Brooklyn. We go into the streets, pick up the garbage barrel, bring it to the kitchen, and torch it right there. I'm in the house for two months, married to Ava for two and a half years. This one Thursday night. This was new for me. I'm traveling 90 miles one way to coach in a high school football game. Literally almost the length of Long Island to coach in a football game. Every school in Brooklyn was 90 seconds away. I'm traveling 90 miles and I'm coaching high school football in front of 20,000 fans. I couldn't believe how many people showed up for the game. I was more enamored as a coach how many people showed up. Not like Brooklyn. Played my high school football in Brooklyn in front of 20 fans. But they were faithful. They came on the field and beat up our opponents after the game. <laughs> I tell people my high school football team in Brooklyn was so tough on defense, we played no games. As soon as we sacked the quarterback, we went to the stands and sacked his family. We got to the root of the problem. <laughs> I get home this Thursday night. I taught Ava well. There on the table is a big bowl of pasta. And I just want to let you know, Doug really hears the Holy Spirit. Because when this is done, he and I are going for Italian food, Okay. And when I eat Italian food, and I eat basically any food, I eat it for Jesus. Jesus never had a slice of pizza in his life on this earth. How selfish am I? He'll die for me, but I can't have a slice of pizza for Jesus. Well, when I go for pizza, I have four slices, one for me and one for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, and in case you're confused, I grew up in an Italian Pentecostal church in Brooklyn. The only way we evangelize, we go into the streets, tell people about Jesus, and then we would say to them, listen. Either you accept Jesus right now, or we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Well, Ava, I taught her how to make Italian food. Seriously, she didn't know how. I devoured some Italian food. We talk a little about the day's event. She says goodnight to me. And to make a long story short, I wake up an hour later. 
Instead of being in my bed in my bedroom, I'm sitting in the dining room window, which is the next room over. There's a full-size F-150 Ford pickup truck parked in the middle of my house. No joke. And to get to my testimony, just share it real quick for those who don't know me. Some of you know it, but I just want to share it because every time I don't want to talk about it anymore, God keeps on showing me no. Every person in this room has a story to tell. And your story could bring some hope and healing and help to the broken person that you might be an encounter with. God understands it. That's why, very simply, Matthew says it as clear as day. God's desire, I don't send bad, but I want to take bad and turn it into good. People talk all the time and say God's in control. No, he's not in control of that 16-year-old girl getting raped right now. We have free will and choice. We Man and woman through Adam and Eve. That's why one of my buddies, I never told you this, Doug. My good friend that I grew up, an Italian friend. I went to college with him, literally. You know what he says when he gets to heaven? I said, who's the first person you want to meet? I don't want to meet Jesus, he says. I don't want to meet God. I don't want to meet the Holy Spirit. I don't want to meet any of the disciples. First person I want to meet is Adam. I'm going to beat the living daylights out of Adam. Because <laughs> we've gone through what we've gone through. But here's the deal. When Jesus came... He restored you and me to who we were initially created to be. That's what being born again really is. The resurrected of who we've been created and taking back that authority and dominion. God gave man the authority and dominion to rule and reign on this earth. Through Jesus Christ, it was restored to us. Starting with me, I'm realizing this more than ever. I don't walk in who I already am and what's already been given to me. That's not an arrogance. The Word of God says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Everything that you and I battle has some spiritual and supernatural significance, but God has empowered us through the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, come on, is living inside of each and every one of us and has empowered us to live the life that God's called us to live. We cannot live the life God's called us to live apart from the Holy Spirit. We can't. You're wasting your time. Don't even do it. So if I tell you, brother, to be more loving, you ain't going to be more loving apart from the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus even said, I've come to serve, not to be served. Because the Spirit, i got to get out of here. Because if I don't get out of here, I can't send the Spirit, who is the only one who can remind you, teach you, and empower you to be who I put you on this earth to be. Can you say amen? Well, little would I know. How many of you have ever heard the expression, take life one day at a time? Raise your hand as high as you can. If you hear nothing else, Bobby says today, throw that phrase out. It is not the truth. Life does not happen one day at a time. It happens one moment at a time. One choice, one decision, one action, one reaction. Doug, I speak to pro teams, college teams, high school teams all the time. And I say to them, how many of you have heard the expression, play your game one game at a time? Every hand goes up. I go, no. I've never seen a game take place one game at a time. It's one play at a time. And I tell them, don't play big. Play small. Play in that play. Give everything you got to that one play because it can't change the momentum. Two weeks ago, I speak to Rutgers University at Penn State, 106,000 people there. I told the fellas, fellas, I'm going to tell you straight up, it was the best defense for most of the game that Rutgers played in the first half. I said, this game will take place one play at a time. Please, fellas, be careful. It's nothing, nothing with two minutes left in the first half. There's a play, the catch is made, the guy starts going out of bounds. One of the Rutgers players hits him out of bounds really hard. Flag gets thrown, 15-yard penalty, automatic first down. The next play, they score a touchdown, 7 nothing. And I can see little trinkets the rest of the game. 
Four plays, they lost 28 to nothing. They didn't play like they lost 28 to nothing. Four distinct plays changed the momentum and the outcome of that game, starting in the first half. And they never regrouped. Well, guess what? Life throws us those moments. God's desire, I don't send bad. The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I've come to give life abundantly. God says, in this world, you will have tribulation. I don't send it. It's part of the world system. That's why I want to restore you back to who I created you to be because I give you the victory and the power over the world system and over the things of the world. That was a little high. I'm sorry. <laughs> the truck that came through my house was driven by a drunk driver. My life was changed forever in one moment. It's a miracle I lived. I was run over completely. I ended up spending three and a half hours, three and a half weeks in the hospital having three major surgeries. I had rubber from the truck tires literally melted throughout my body. Almost lost this arm. I was run over completely. Almost lost this eye. But it's a miracle God restored. But the sad tragedy was Ava left this earth way too soon. Physically nothing happened to her. She suffocated. Paramedics took 40 minutes to dig her out. They got to her. She was dead. My life was changed in one moment. God doesn't send evil, but he knows what you need when you go through it. The day I was burying my wife, on a school day, I go to the church, a church that seated 500 people, had over 2,000 people there. From the church, we go to downtown Houston. A normal 40-minute drive to downtown Houston took us two and a half hours. Everything was flooded because a small hurricane came in after he was killed. Those same 2,000 people showed up at the cemetery. You know who most of them were? All 1,100 students from Santa Fe High School on a school day, every teacher, coach, counselor, administrator showed up. And then I went back in the hospital for 23 days. They packed out my hospital. And they showed me these two words, coach, you matter. It doesn't. We're sorry that Ava's dead, but we're not going to let you give up. You matter, coach. You matter, coach. You matter. And this is not going to define you. You see, when Christ came and died on the cross, and my brother out there, if you could put up that one picture first, please. If you could see in Jesus' arms, I had this painting painted. Jesus is hanging on the cross and carved in his arms are the words, you matter. Ma'am, you would never, ma'am, I learned this living in the South. Hey, yo, sister, how you doing? But in all honesty, if that sweater was only worth 20 bucks, you're going to spend $2,000 on it? I don't think so. Well, God's no different. He ain't going to spend more on you than you're worth. But guess what? All the money, the gold, the diamond, the jewels, the rubies in this world cannot buy you and restore you to who he created you to be. It took the life of his son. Because guess what? If you are not of great value, we are wasting our time, and Christianity is the biggest joke in the history of the world. Why would God send his son to die for a piece of junk? No. That's right. He does not make junk. He treasures you. He values you. You matter to God. I want everybody to say with me, I matter, you matter, we matter. Ready? Go. To God. Say it like you're from Brooklyn. Yous matter. Say it like you're from the South. Y'all matter. Say it like you're from Pittsburgh. Yins matter. People need to know they matter. That's what he was doing on the cross. And you know what? I ask people all the time, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is the full gospel? You know what they say to me, miss? They say, Jesus died for my sins. No, that's not the full gospel. A sacrificial lamb was dying for my sins, but a sacrificial lamb never wore a crown of thorns. A sacrificial lamb never went through the garden of Gethsemane, experiencing panic and stress and anxiety and worry and fear to the umph degree that he sweat drops blood. 
A sacrificial lamb never got beaten and scourged. A sacrificial lamb never carried a cross, never got nailed to a cross. And you know why somebody had to help Jesus carry the cross the rest of the way? Because he's relying on us to take the true, full gospel message and bring healing, deliverance, help, restoration, and resurrection to the hurting and the broken of this world. Can you say amen? God told me a few years back, and God put this on my heart to make sure I share it, Pastor Doug. I'm getting ready to preach in Brooklyn 10 years ago. I'm at a church. I'm in the back room, and as clear as day, the Spirit of God says to me, think about how much this relies even now, what we're going through or have been through in the last year and a half. And I'm proud of every one of you here in person and every one of you tuned in because you're doing everything in your power to work through this and find normalcy in the middle of it. And let me say this right up front. God does not work through fear. The enemy, it's a spirit. And the word of God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. If you operate in fear, the spirit of God is not in that choice of decision you and I are making. I start with myself. That's why I love Michael Jackson's song. Before I point my fingers at anybody else, I got to sing. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Come on, you got to give me a little credit for that. The reality is this. I got to look at myself before I point fingers at anybody else. God doesn't send fear. He doesn't send panic or worry. That's why somebody helped Jesus carry the cross. Because we're helping to carry the message, the full gospel, that Jesus came to heal the broken heart. I didn't hit. Oh, wait, we got it back. Okay, when Jesus argued with the Pharisees and Sadducees, the Pharisees and Sadducees were going after people's sin and behavior first. You know that, sir. First, they were going after sin and behavior. Jesus didn't condone it. He said, it's the sick that need a physician. I'm going after the why they're sinning. That's why the word says there's pleasure in sin for a season. You know why it is pleasure in sin for a season? Sin anesthetizes the pain of brokenness temporarily. Not permanently. That's why people, you and I, run to the things we do. Because our brokenness tells us we don't matter. We don't count. We're not good enough. I had a girl come up to me, 18 years old. I know when I became a drug addict, Bobby. My father had an affair and my mother divorced my mother, married this woman, and I blame myself like it was my fault. No, you did nothing wrong. How many people in this room and how many people I deal with every day in schools, colleges, in churches that are allowing what happened to them to chase after them, to define them? You are not defined by the mistakes you make, the wrong you have done, or the wrong that has been done to you. You are wonderfully, incredibly, awesomely made in the image of God Almighty for a purpose that nobody has ever been put on this earth to live. You are one of a kind. You are priceless. You are irreplaceable. You matter. Or as we say in Brooklyn, yous matter. There will never be another you. So you know what I say to my audiences all the time? Will you be you? Because everybody else is already taken. I'm not put in this earth to be Pastor Doug. He's not put in this earth to be me. Because what he brings to the table, I can't. What I bring to the table, he can't. But we're part of the team. We'll get to that a little later. You know why the man was driving drunk? Somewhere in his life, his heart was broken. You know how he anesthetized the pain and the voice? Abusing alcohol. That's what helped him numb the pain for the moment. I was on the phone yesterday. A precious friend who's part of a Bible study with me in Florida when I'm home on Tuesday nights. 
calls me up and says, please talk to Mike. He's 31 years old. Mike's crying. He's at his wit's end. He lost a great job. He spent some time in jail for mistakes he made. He said, if I had the money right now, I would take my life. I'm done. God gave me the opportunity. He said, I don't even believe in God. I don't believe in nothing. God gave me the opportunity for a half an hour to talk to him, just love on him, tell him how much he mattered, and sow some seeds. Because remember these words, people. If I talk you into something, somebody will talk you out of it. But if the Holy Spirit does the work, there ain't nobody talking you out of it. That's why we got to put people in the presence of God. The more I can let you understand the greatest power is in you and to access what you got, the greater you're going to be. The more you and I can live by these scriptures, number one, be still and know that I'm the Lord. Number two, God will not be mocked what you sow you're going to reap. If you sow in the flesh, you reap corruption and death. You sow in the spirit, you reap life. If you're led by the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The more you and I are in the spirit, the better we're going to be. We hear all these messages, but it really comes down to that. And seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Everything you need, God will give to you. He's empowered you to live that out, but it's learning how to access that. And here's one of my favorites. My sheep know my voice. Every one of us are sheep of God. Well, guess what? You may have never heard this story. I've been sharing it for years about the bummer sheep. I learned it more than a decade ago. And I share it. Every once in a while in the world, a baby lamb is born that the mother sheep kicks it away and rejects it. The shepherd takes it, brings it back to the mother. She kicks it, rejects it. The shepherd keeps on doing that. Doesn't work. You know what he has to do, miss? He has to take the baby sheep and bring it into the house and raise it himself. Hear that carefully. The shepherd has to help heal and deliver and restore that baby sheep. Guess what? When that baby sheep is old enough, he believes he can bring back to the mother. He brings it back. The mother receives it. You know what just happened to that baby sheep? It just got born again because it got restored to who it was created to be in the first place. Here's the best thing. Every time the shepherd comes to the field to feed the sheep, sir, to water the sheep, to give them water, to put oil on their head or to take them out into the pasture, he calls to the sheep. You know the very first sheep that run to the shepherd? The bummer sheep. Because they know the one who healed, delivered, and restored them and returned them back to who they were created to be. God showed me very simply when I'm getting ready to preach in Brooklyn. You keep on thinking the problem with America. This is 10 years ago, not now. The problem with America is the condition of our country. He goes, no, the problem with America is the condition of my body and the church. And when my body is made whole, they can make the world whole. Then he goes a step further, and trust me, I'm from Brooklyn. I can't come up with the word I'm about to tell you. He's told me. I'm not smart enough. He says, you keep on thinking the world is fragmented. That's over my head. I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> fragmented? He goes, but my body is fragmented. Until my body is made whole, I can't make the world whole. There are people sitting in this room, I never say this anything judgmentally. If I was to mistreat you right now, if your first two responses to my mistreatment of you are, what's wrong with me that Bobby did that? Or what did I do wrong that Bobby did that? You still have areas that need to be healed. You know why? Because you're not defined by that. If I mistreat you, that's my issue, my problem, my pain that I'm vomiting on you for the moment because my insecurity, my inadequacy, my feelings of inferiority are taking over and I'm vomiting out on you. That's what I tell kids all the time in schools. When I get done at, well, most of you probably don't believe that I'm this age. I don't act this age. 
I turn it around. I actually, people can't believe it, but I turned 61 the other day. I tell people, I really act like I'm a 16-year-old. I've been working with kids for 40 years. My own family says to me, how old are you? I said, my age doesn't change. How old I act changes. I've been in the world of kids. I love them dearly. I treasure kids. I'm alive today because those kids, I still have a relationship with them 36 years ago, rallied around me. That's why even when Doug was part of that and part of Rock the Island and many others in here were part of Rock the Island, I, you knew how much I loved kids. I treasure them. I adore them. I literally bow in the presence of kids. I'm alive today because those kids gave me hope in the middle. You know what I say hope means? Can I give you the acronym to hope? Hold on, pain ends. Hold on, pain ends. Hope is one of the greatest things. It's the three greatest things, faith, hope, and love. Well, the reality is people need to know that. They need to know their value and they're treasured and they're adored. They need to know that you matter so much to God, that you are his sheep, you are his creation. Well, number two, Doug and I talked about this. I shared this in the first service, but I shared it a little earlier. If you hear a sermon or a message or read anything apart from the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing that God's called you to do because you're in the flesh realm. And when people say, well, God's doing this, God's doing that, it's real simple. No, we're bringing things upon ourselves because the moment I sow in the flesh, I'm going to reap the corruption of the flesh. I again, sorry. <laughs> Sir, could I ask you a question? Is that your wife? I just want to make sure. No, no, I'm not being rude. I'm serious. I want to make sure. Is that your daughter? Okay. Uh, excuse me. I'm your long-lost Italian uncle from Brooklyn. If you date before you're 30 years old, we're sending the family from Brooklyn to make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> I'm just playing. But in all honesty, from this moment forward, sir, never in your life are you ever able again to be with your wife in person. You can only get an email, a text message, or a voicemail message from your wife. That's it. You can't be with her in person. You can't even talk to her on the phone. What kind of relationship are you going to have with her if that's all you can do? Not very good, right? You know, one church I spoke in Miami, a thousand people in the church. You know what the guy said in front of a thousand people? My relationship would suck. That was his word. I'm not trying to be rude. That's what he said. They were laughing hysterical, but here's the point. Guess what? Most of the church, and I'm not being rude, I'm learning this myself. Most of the church, their relationship with God is an email, a text message, and a voicemail message. You know why? Because all they do is bear with me. They read their Bible. They read a Christian book. They go to a Bible study. They hear a sermon. Those are all powerful and necessary, but they mean absolutely nothing if I'm not having that quiet time, that conversation time, that talking time with God. And I've learned to come to God as a little child, to say, God, I don't understand what's going on. Come on. You know what? When this precious guy was going through what he did over this last year, I'll tell you straight up, I went to God a couple times and said, oh, Jesus, are you sleeping in the bottom of the boat again? My brother needs your touch. But yes, thank God he got the touch. Come on, let's praise the Lord that Doug's here. God doesn't get ticked off. You think Peter, when they were going through the storm and he's sleeping in the bottom of the boat, come on, you're from New York. You think Peter really went up to Jesus? Jesus. Yeah, he was using some choice words ready to make Jesus an offer he couldn't refuse. Come on. And Jesus didn't get ticked off. He went upstairs and stopped the wind and the storm. He understands the whys behind the what's. He knows. How come it was okay for the disciples for three and a half years to hang out with Jesus and have normal conversations, but we can't? Come on. 
I have those conversations. I got to, I got to tell this quick story. I didn't tell in the first one. I told some people out in the lobby. They were laughing hysterical. I'm up in Poughkeepsie at the end of September doing a whole bunch of church stuff in schools. Okay, this one day, I'm hanging out on the Hudson River. It was a beautiful day, gorgeous fall day in, in New York. I love this time, coming back home in this area, especially at this time of the year. It's beautiful during the holidays. And I'm walking. All of a sudden, I see this homeless man, a guy. He's probably in his 40s. You could just tell he was depressed, sad. He had a big bag around him. I could tell he's homeless. I've been around and ministered enough to homeless people. I walk up to him and I say, in the name of Jesus, where you've been robbed and stolen from in life, you are not defined by that. He starts crying. You are valuable. God hasn't given up on you. I walk away. As I'm walking away, the Spirit of God says to me, go give him one of your you matter wristbands. Okay, I go get the wristband. I walk all the way back. I give it to him. He was so thrilled. He put it on right now. I start to walk back. God goes, Go give him one of your You Matter books. All right. I go back to get it. I get the book. I give it to him. He's thrilled. I told him how much he mattered. He was thrilled to get it. I start walking away. I go, hey, God, could you get with the program over here? Okay. You couldn't tell me the first time to get both of them? So I go back to the car. As clear as day, the Spirit of God says to me, take your $20. That's all I had left in cash. I promise you. Take your 20 bucks. I'm not giving it to him. I need it. That's it. You should have told me sooner. I start driving. I promise. As clear as day, the Spirit of God says to me, no, Bobby, you get with the program. Because I had said to God, get with the program. How about you tell me it the first time? I went back. I gave it to the man. He broke down crying, and I start walking back. I go, you know, you're a real piece of work. But I say that in an honored way. Because God's always knocking, always speaking. So I don't have to ask God to show up. He's there. I have to pray, God, may I be in tune. So watch this simply. There's a signal being sent to my cell phone. I don't know what that signal is until I turn it on. But it's being sent continuously. The Spirit of God is continually speaking to you. It's when we tune in and hear His voice. My sheep know my voice. Be still and know that I'm the Lord. So number one, God's come to heal the broken. Number two, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that brokenness can be healed. The night that Abel was killed, and this is what God brings me back to. I pray this prayer. There's people, students, people from the church. I was actually at the time, Ava was really great friends. Her best friend was Tamara Osteen, Joel's sister. Let me tell you something. Some people may not like Joel. I got to tell you straight up. The fact that Joel Osteen is preaching on TV, there's proof to me more than ever there is a God. You go, What? I go, yeah, that chair in my books had a greater chance of being a TV preacher than Joel Osteen did. I'm not joking. I'd see Joel at Lakewood Church. John Osteen actually did Ava's funeral. Dodie Osteen, phenomenal people. I'd see Joel at church. I'd go up to talk to him. He'd be like, hey, Bobby, where you going? Shy is not even the word. But God knows what needed to be done in that man's life and what God had called him to do. So watch this. Sir, what's your favorite sport team? You have one? But I like Buffalo Bills, too. And just so you know, for me personally, I eat my way around the country. Duff's is the best wing place there is, personally, for me when I go to Buffalo. I'm not eating at Anchor House. I'm eating at Duff's, just so you know. That's my opinion. Okay. You know what this is right here? Have you guys ever heard of the mark of the beast in Revelation? This is the mark of the feast, just so you know that. Okay. So your favorite team is Buffalo Bills. So watch this. Is everybody on the Buffalo Bills the same height and weight? Is everybody on the Buffalo Bills play the same position? 
Is everybody on the Buffalo Bills the same ethnicity or the same skin color? Is everybody on the Buffalo Bills have the same parents? Are everybody on the Buffalo Bills married to the same? Well, we hope they're not married to the same person. Are they married to the same person? Everybody on the Buffalo Bills have the same exact kids. No. Are they all from the same part of the country or the world? Did they all go to the same college? No, but they're all on the same team. Okay? The Word of God says as clear as day, you're either for the kingdom or against it. I don't have to agree with everything. I love Doug. I love Pastor Doug. If I hang out with him all the time, we're going to come in disagreements. It doesn't mean we can't still operate as a team member for the goal of bringing healing, hope, deliverance, and restoration to the broken of this world. I'm honored to stand in his presence and work with him. I'm honored to be here. Well, that's what God is looking for, people to say, Satan is no dummy. I don't give him glory. First of all, he deceived one-third of the angels to follow him. Okay? We're greater than the angels. The Word of God even says that. We were created in the image of God. Come on. We're created in his image. The angels weren't. Satan wasn't. We're created in God's image. Created in his image. That's why they said they even made Jesus a little lower than the angels. You need to know how much you matter and how valuable you are and how incredible you are. You want to see, who wants to see revival in this world? You want to see revival in this world? God showed me these three simple points. When we see the broken healed and delivered and restored, number one, when we allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign and have full dominion in our lives, our churches, our families, and our homes, we will see a move like we have never seen before. And number three, when we come together, understanding we have one common goal. We don't have to agree on everything, but we're part of the team of the kingdom of God. We're part of the team of the Holy Ghost living inside of us. And the more we come together, the more powerful we are, the more ignited we are, the more united we are. Could you show that picture, brother, of Jesus I want to, as I begin to close this out? This is one of my favorite things in the world. The three toughest groups I've ever spoken to is one-year anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. I'll get back to that in a moment. Four months after 9-11 tragedy. I'm in Staten Island, New York. January 11, 2002. 750 family members come to hear me. I spent three and a half hours signing books and crying with them. My cousin Vinny was a New York City fireman. If he wasn't stuck on the George Washington Bridge, he would have been in the World Trade Center when it collapsed. My cousin Tony, New York City police officer. He was stuck in the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel or he would have been killed when it collapsed. That's why I was furious during this whole time. You know what? Any form of prejudice and racism is horrific and there's so many forms. When you take every police officer and put him in one category, you're a racist. Sorry. Not every police officer is bad. Not everyone is perfect. But how dare we do that? How dare we do that to anybody? We need to embrace the cultures. Listen to me. I eat around the nation according to ethnicity because every ethnicity's got amazing food. When I go to Birmingham, Alabama, and they look at me, they go, Bobby, we know you're from New York. We know you love pizza. We got a great pizza place in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> I look at them. I go, I don't know what you're smoking. I need no pizza in Birmingham. Oh, I live in Florida. You know how many places? That's why my flesh gets in the way. I'm just telling you. How many places in Florida and other parts of the country go, New York pizza? I walk in, I go, listen, man, that is not New York pizza. 
And then I walk out. Let me tell you, as me as a kid growing up, I'm just telling you honestly. As a kid in Brooklyn, there's only one pizza we ate. Straight cheese pizza. There was no such thing of anything put on pizza in the 60s when I grew up. We used to joke, you know why they put stuff on pizza? The pizza's so bad, they got to make it taste better. I'm just saying that's how I was raised. But the point I'm getting at is I go to Birmingham, Alabama. I'm eating collards. I'm eating cornbread. I'm eating southern cooking and embracing the culture. There's times I go three or four hours to the place in Mississippi called Mama Letha's. Her restaurant was the front of a house. People came from all over the place. She made the most amazing barbecue. Back then, I could bring home a big jar of barbecue sauce to the family. Can't do that anymore. But the reality is every culture has something amazing. And when we embrace that, we embrace, hear me carefully, every person in this room is part of one race, the human race. But that human race comes in many shades, colors, heights, weights, okay, many ethnicities. God knew what he was doing. If everybody looked like, talked like, and acted like Bobby Petroselli, this would be a scary world. I'm going to tell you straight up. <laughs> everybody brings something special. That's why every one of us have unique individual fingerprints, footprints, and DNA because we're one of a kind. We're priceless. That was a little high again. You need to know how much you matter. Before I close, if you could put that picture of the book up. I was mobbed after the first assembly, and I, assembly first service. That's my book, You Matter, It Doesn't. I'm going to be straight up and honest with you. If I wasn't a Christian, there'd be two other letters in front of the word it. I just want you to know. You matter, it doesn't. Leave your it behind. Put it in the past. Bury it. Bury it. Bury it. It's not who you are. You don't drive a car looking in the rear view mirror the whole time. We do that too often in life. One of the greatest statements ever made in a Disney movie. How many of you saw Lion King? My favorite line, Rafiki's a baboon leader with a big stick. He hits Simba over the head. Simba goes, ow, that hurt. Rafiki says to Simba, don't worry about it. It's in the past. Simba goes, yeah, it's in the past, but it still hurts. Rafiki makes the best statement. That's right. The past can hurt. You either run from the past or you learn from the past. You know what happens if you and I run from our past? It keeps on running after us till it destroys us and hurts us. That night I laid in the hospital bed. I said, Jesus... I want to lay hands on this man who crashed drunk through my house and killed Ava, and prayer has nothing to do with it. I may be straight up with you. But then I said, Father, there is no way on this earth, according to your word, can I forgive this man and try to move forward apart from your Holy Spirit. I am here to tell you, there was never such great animosity and hatred towards that man because I knew he had been broken and he went down the wrong path and precious woman's life was changed and my life was changed forever. But here's the reality. I knew I could not do the things of God even back then. He brings me back to that apart from the Holy Spirit. I can't. I can't do it. None of us can. I will be in the lobby when this service is over and I want to let you know I have some books and wristbands with me I don't put a price on them. If you want to make any donation, you can. I have taken that money in 14 years, and I've been part of Life Outreach, and we have been part of rescuing 250,000 kids sold into sex trade and human trafficking and letting them know. And you know who got me as a speaker in the first place? So I have two sons. Alec is 29. He played college football at UNC Chapel Hill. He now coaches college football at University of North Carolina, Pembroke. My son, Aaron, 
Aaron went to Liberty University. He's 25 years old. He works in a correctional facility for teenagers as a counseling therapist. He said to me a long time ago, he said, Dad, let the body of Christ know more than ever and people know more than ever that we do battle forms of mental sickness and illness. There's not one form, and there's varying degrees. We've made mental sickness and illness all or nothing. They say 43 million people battle it. No, 100% of us battle it at different times in our life. That's why the Word of God says when fear is present, I don't have a sound mind. What does that tell you and me? There's varying degrees. You have a bad day? Sure, we all do. Maybe you have a cold mentally, an ingrown toenail mentally, a pulled muscle mentally. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Just like physical ailments are not all or nothing. You matter to God. So I will be out there and I'll have some books and wristbands. Feel free to stop by. And the last thing I want to close by saying this. This bag represents our hurt, our pain, our wounds, our brokenness, our rejection, our trauma. We've all gone through stuff. Every person has. Okay? You know the simplicity of what I do every day? The word heart is in the Bible 836 times. I take my hands and I'm laying in bed. I said, Father, here's my heart. If there's still any fragments of brokenness that wants to show up, take it, saturate it, baptize it, dunk it, drench it, soak it in your blood because that is the only way I can move forward by you doing that to be the best I could be. My cell phone is a smartphone. I don't know why. I'm not very smart at handling it. i got to ask people all the time to help me with it. If I take my cell phone, which represents me and you, the bag represents brokenness, and I put it in the bag. I'm putting me and you in the bag. Is it still a cell phone while it's in the bag? Here's the kicker. While it's in the bag, is it being used for the purpose it was created to be used for while it's in the bag? No. You know why I do what I do? God's desire today is to help pull you out of that bag so you're not defined by those things that it evil or bad or wrong, chasing after you to define you. Everybody say with me again, I matter. Say, you matter. Say, we matter. Come on again, I matter. You matter. We matter to God, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. Say you're like from Brooklyn, use matter. I want to help pull you out of that bag. Let's pray. Bow your heads. And as I'm about to pray, I'm going to ask you like they did in the first service and they didn't mess around. If you're battling anything, anything, anything that you need a little touch or help or encouragement, I'm going to ask you to do one of two things. I'm going to ask you to stand or just raise your hand. If I'm speaking to you, it literally in the first service, almost every person either stood or raised their hands. If you've got anything you're struggling with in your family, that's what people tell me the number one issue they battle are family issues. God wants to heal, deliver, and restore. If I'm speaking to you, stand up or raise your hand and let's pray this simple prayer. I want everybody to pray this with me. I feel led. Say this with me, please. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my brokenness, to give me a sound mind, to forgive me of my sins, and to heal my body. Jesus, you know my issues in life, and only you can truly heal them. I give you everything that I might be battling with, and I pray, God, that more than ever, that you would bring healing deliverance and restoration and resurrection to these areas of my life. Holy Spirit, you're alive in me. Have dominion over my life. Have dominion over my family. Have dominion over all things because I matter to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap and say thank you, Jesus.